0: Part Five of Myths and Legends of the Mississippi Valley and the Great Lakes by Catherine Barry Judson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Why, dear, never eat men, Menominee. After Rabbit had decided about light and darkness, he saw Owasse the bear, coming. Rabbit said, "Bear, what do you want for food?" Bear said, "Acorns and fruit." Then Rabbit asked Fishhawk. He said, Fishhawk, what will you select for your food? Fishhawk said, I will take that fellow, Sucker, lying in the water there. Sucker said at once, You may eat me if you can, but that has still to be decided. Sucker at once swam out into the deepest part of the river, where Fishhawk could not reach him. Then Fishhawk rose into the air to a point where his shadow fell exactly on the spot where Sucker lay. Now as Sucker lay there he saw the shadow of a large bird on the bed of the stream. He became frightened. He thought it must be a Manido, so he swam slowly to the surface. At once Fishhawk darted down on him and carried him into the air, and then he ate him. Rabbit looked about him again. He saw Maquaiho, the wolf. He cried, Oh, wolf, what do you wish for food? Wolf said, I will eat deer deer said, you cannot eat me because I can run too swiftly. Wolf said, we will see about that. So they had a race. Deer started ahead and ran very swiftly. Wolf ran swiftly too, but his fur robe was too heavy. At last he thought, this robe is too heavy, I will slip it off. So he threw it off. Then he bounded ahead and caught deer and ate him. Then Rabbit asked another deer of the same totem "'Deer, what will you select as food?' Deer said, "'I will eat people. There are many Indians in the country. I will eat them.' At once all the animals began to talk. They said to Deer, "'The Indian is too powerful. You can never eat him.' Deer said, "'Well, I will plan to eat Indians anyway.' Then he walked off. Now one day an Indian was out hunting. He saw deer tracks to the right and so followed them. They went in a large circle until they brought him back where he had started. Then he saw deer tracks to the left, so he followed those until they also brought him back in a large circle to the point where he started. Then the Indian saw that deer was following him. Deer was determined to eat the Indians, because there were many of them. It would not be difficult to hunt for food, but first he wanted to frighten the hunter so he pulled two ribs from his sides and stuck them into his lower jaw. They looked like tusks. Deer looked very fierce. Then deer came walking along, looking for an Indian, but the hunter raised his bow and shot deer. He carried the deer meat back to his wigwam. The shade of deer at once went to the council of birds and animals. He told Rabbit all about it. Rabbit said, I told you that you could not eat people. You see how it is? Now you will have to live on grass and twigs. And so they do, even to this day. How Rabbit Snared the Sun, Biloxi. Rabbit and his grandmother lived in a wigwam. Rabbit used to go hunting every day, very early in the morning. But no matter how early he went, a person leaving long footprints had passed along ahead of him. Each morning, Rabbit thought, I will reach there before him. Yet each morning, the person leaving long footprints passed before him. One morning, Rabbit said to his grandmother, Oh, grandmother, although I have long wished to be the first to get there, again has he got there ahead of me. Oh, grandmother, I will make a noose, and I will place it in the trail of that one, and thus I will catch him. Why should you do that? asked grandmother. I hate that person, said Rabbit he departed. When he reached there he found that the person had already departed, so he lay down nearby and waited for night. Then he went to the trail, where the person with long feet had been passing, and set a snare. Very early the next morning he went to look at his trap. Behold, sun had been caught. Rabbit ran home very quickly. "'Oh, grandmother, I have caught something, but it scares me. I wished to take the noose, but it scared me every time. I went to get it. Then rabbit took a knife and again went there. The person said, You have done very wrong. Come and release me. Rabbit did not go directly toward him. He went to one side. He bent his head low and cut the cord. At once sun went above on his trail, but rabbit had been so near him that sun burned his fur on the back of his neck. Rabbit ran home. He cried, "'Oh, Grandmother, I have been severely burned.' "'Alas, my grandson has been severely burned,' said Grandmother. When the Orphan Trapped the Sun Ojibwa. Animals and men lived on the earth in the beginning. The animals killed all the people except a girl and her tiny brother, who hid from them. The brother did not grow at all. Therefore, when the sister collected firewood, she took him with her. She made him a bow and arrow.' One day she said, Now I must leave you for a while. Soon the snowbirds will come and pick worms out of the wood I have cut. Shoot one of them and bring it to me. The boy waited. The birds came and he shot at them with his arrows. He could not kill one. The next day he shot at them again. Then he killed one. He came back to the wigwam with a bird. He said, My sister, skin it. I will wear the skins of the snowbirds. What shall we do with the body?' she asked. "'Cut it in two. We will put it in our broth.' Now at that time the animals were very large. People did not eat them. The boy killed ten snowbirds. Then his sister made a coat for him. One day he said, "'Are we alone on the earth plain?' She said, "'The animals who live in such a place have killed all our relatives. You must never go there.' Therefore he went in that direction." Now he walked a long while and met no one. Then he lay down on a knoll where the sun had melted the snow. He fell asleep. Then Sun looked down at him and burned his bird-skin coat. He tightened it so that the boy was bound into it. When he awoke, the boy said to Sun, You are not too high. I will pay you back. He went home. He said to his sister, Sun has spoiled my coat. He would not eat. He lay down on the ground. He lay ten days on one side, then he turned over and lay ten days on the other side. At last he rose. He said to his sister, "'Make me a snare, I will catch the sun.' She said, "'I have no string.' The boy said, "'Make a string.' Then she remembered a bit of dried sinew which her father had had, so she made a snare for him. The boy said, "'That will not do. Make a better snare.' She said, "'I have no string.' At last she remembered she cut off some of her hair she made a string from that the boy said that will not do make me a noose she thought again then she remembered she went out of the wigwam she took something she made a braid out of that thing the boy said this will do he was much pleased when he took it it became a long red cord there was much of it he wound it around his body the boy left the wigwam while the sun was at home. He did this so that he might catch him as he came over the edge of the earth. He put the noose at the spot just where the sun came over the edge. When the sun came along, the noose caught his head. He was held tight so that he could not follow his trail in the skyland. Now the animals who rule the earth were frightened because sun did not follow the trail. They said, What shall we do? So they called a great council. They said, We must send someone to cut the noose. Thus they spoke in the council. Now all the animals were afraid to cut the cord. Sun was so hot he would burn them. At last Dormouse said, I will go. He stood up in the council. He was as high as a mountain. He was the largest of all the animals. When Dormouse reached the place where the sun was snared, his fur began to singe and his back to burn. It was very hot dormouse cut the cord with his teeth but so much of him was burned up he became very small therefore dormouse is the smallest of animals that is why he is called cogipeingquakwa the hare and the lynx ojibwa once there was a little white hare living in a wigwam with her grandmother now grandmother sent hare back to her native land when hare had gone a short way lynx came down the trail Lynx sang Where pretty white one? Where pretty white one where do you go? wee to wee to wee wee cried Hare, and ran back to Grandmother. See, grandmother, she said. Lynx came down the trail and sang Where pretty white one? Where pretty white one? Where do you go? Ho, oh, said Grandmother, have courage, tell Lynx you are going to your native land. Hare went back up the trail. Lynx stood there, so Hare sang, To the point of land I go, there is the home of all the little white one, there I go. Lynx looked at the trembling little hare, and began to sing again. "'Little white one, tell me, little white one, tell me, why are your ears so thin and dry?' "'Chewy, chewy, chewy, chewy,' chewy," cried little hare, and ran back to grandmother. "'See, grandmother,' said hare, Lynx came down the trail and sang, "'Little white one, tell me, little white one, tell me, why are your ears so thin and dry?' "'Oh,' said Grandmother, "'go and tell him your uncles made them so "'when they came from the south.' "'So Hare ran up the trail and sang, "'My uncles came from the south. "'They made my ears as they are. "'They made them thin and dry.' "'And then Hare laid her little pink ears "'back upon her shoulders "'and started to go to the point of land. "'But Lynx sang again, "'Why do you go away, little white one? "'Why do you go away, little white one? "'Why are your feet so dry and swift?' "'Chewy, chewy, chewy, chewy!' cried Hare, and again she ran back to Grandmother. "'Oh, do not mind him,' said Grandmother. "'Do not listen to him. Do not answer him. Just run straight on.' So the little white Hare ran up the trail as fast as she could. When she came to the place where Lynx had stood, he was gone. So Hare ran on and had almost reached her native land on the point of land when Lynx sprang out of the thicket and ate her up. WELCOME TO A BABY, Cherokee. Little Wren is the messenger of the birds. She pries into everything. She gets up early in the morning and goes around to every wigwam to get news for the bird council. When a new baby comes into a wigwam, she finds out whether it is a boy or a girl. If it is a boy, the bird council sings mournfully, ALAS, THE WHISTLE OF THE ARROW, MY SHINS WILL BURN. "'because the birds all know that when the boy grows older "'he will hunt them with his bows and arrows "'and will roast them on a stick. "'But if the baby is a girl, they are glad. "'They sing, "'Thanks, the sound of the pestle, "'in her wigwam I shall surely be able to scratch where she sweeps, "'because they know that when she grows older "'and beats the corn into meal, "'they will be able to pick up stray grains.' Cricket also is glad when the baby is a girl. He sings, "'Thanks, I shall sing in the wigwam where she lives.' But if it is a boy, Cricket laments, "'Squaye! He will shoot me! He will shoot me! He will shoot me!' Because boys make little arrows to shoot crickets and grasshoppers. When the Cherokee Indians hear of a new baby, they ask, "'Is it a bow or a meal sifter?' Or else they ask, "'Is it ball sticks or bread?' baby song cherokee hawaii bai aoui aya hiya hiya we you we you we hiya hiya we hiya we the bear is very bad so they say long time ago he was very bad so they say the bear did so and so they say song to the butterfly ojibwa In the hot summer evenings, when the grass patches around the lakes and rivers sparkle with fireflies, the Indians sing a song to them. Flitting white fire bug, flitting white fire bug, give me your light before I go to sleep, give me your light before I go to sleep, come little waving fire bug, come little waving fire bug, light me with your bright torch, light me with your bright torch. Footnote. Saw the firefly Wawatasi flitting through the dusk of evening, with the twinkle of its candle lighting up the brakes and bushes, and he sang the song of children, sang the song the comus taught him, Wawatasi, little firefly, little flitting white fire insect, Hiawatha, end note. Song of the mother bears, Cherokee. One day, a hunter in the woods heard singing in a cave. He came near and peeped in. It was a mother bear singing to her cubs and telling them what to do when the hunters came after them. Mother bear said, "'When you hear the hunter coming down the creek, then saggy-saggy upstream, hallowee, saggy-saggy Hawali, upstream-upstream you must go, upstream-upstream you must go. But if you hear them coming downstream, ge downstream, gei ge gei gei ge downstream-downstream you must go. "'Downstream, downstream, you must go.' Another hunter out in the woods one day thought he heard a woman singing to a baby. He followed the sound up a creek until he came to a cave under the bushes. Inside there was a mother bear, rocking her cub in her paws, and singing to it. "'Let me carry you on my back, let me carry you on my back, let me carry you on my back, let me carry you on my back, on the sunny side go to sleep, on the sunny side go to sleep.' This was after some of the people had become bears. The hunter knew they were of the Anistakulan tribe. THE MAN IN THE STUMP CHEROKEE An Indian had a field of corn ripening in the sun. One day, when he wanted to look at it, he climbed a stump. Now the stump was hollow, and in it was a nest of bear cubs. The man slipped and fell down upon the cubs at once the cubs began calling for their mother and mother bear came running she began to climb down into the stump backwards then the indian caught hold of her leg thus she became frightened she began to climb out and drag the indian also to the top of the stump thus he got out of the stump the ants and the katydids the the ancient of ants was building a house she worked hard to finish her house before the cold weather came now when it was very cold the katydid and the locust reached her house asking for shelter they said they had no houses the ancient of aunt scolded them she said after you are grown up in the warm weather you sing all the time instead of building a house she would not let them come into her house then the katydid and the locust were ashamed and as the weather was very cold they died that is why katydids and locusts die every winter while the ants live in their warm houses. But the katydids and locusts never do anything in warm weather but sing. When the owl married, Cherokee. Once there was a widow with only one daughter. She said often, You should marry, and then there will be a man to go hunting. Then one day a man came courting the daughter. He said, Will you marry me? The girl said, I can only marry a good worker. We need a man who is a good hunter and who will work in the cornfield. I am exactly that sort of man, he said. So the mother said they might marry. When the next morning the mother gave the man a hoe, she said, Go hoe the corn. When breakfast is ready I will call you. Then she went to call him. She followed a sound of someone hoeing on stony soil. When she reached the place there was only a small circle of hoed ground. Over in the thicket someone said, "'Hoo-hoo!' When the man came back in the evening the mother said, "'Where have you been all day?' He said, "'Hard at work.' The mother said, "'I couldn't find you.' I was over in the thicket cutting sticks to mark off the field, he said. "'But you did not come to the lodge to eat at all,' she answered. "'I was too busy,' he said. Early the next morning, he started off with his hoe over his shoulder. Then the mother went again to call him when the meal was ready. The hoe was lying there, but there was no sign of work done. And away over in the thicket, she heard a hoo hoo calling, swahoo, hoo swahoo, hoo hoo, hoo hoo, hoo hoo, chi chi chi, woo. Now, when the man came home that night, the mother asked, "What have you been doing all day?" "Working hard," he said. "'But you were not there when I came after you.' "'Oh, I went over in the thicket a while,' said the man, "'to see some of my relatives. "'Then the mother said, "'I have lived here a long while, "'and no one lives in that swamp but lazy hoo-hoos. "'My daughter wants a husband that can work and not a hoo-hoo.' "'And she drove him from the house.' The Kite and the Eagle Kite was very boastful one day he spoke scornfully of eagle who heard his words kite began to sing in a loud voice i alone i alone can go up so as to seem as if hanging from the blue sky eagle answered scornfully he sang who is this who is this who is this who boasts of flying so high kite was ashamed he answered in a small voice Oh, I was only singing of the great Kakati, it is he who is said to fly so high. Eagle answered, Oh, you crooked tongue, you are below my notice. Then Eagle soared high into the sky, but just as soon as he was out of hearing, Kite began to sing again in a very loud voice, I alone, I alone can go up so as to seem as if hanging from the blue sky. THE LINNET AND THE EAGLE Ojibwa. All the birds met in council, each claiming to fly the highest. Each one claimed to be the chief. Therefore the council decided that each bird should fly toward the skyland. Some of the birds flew very swiftly, but they tired and flew back to earth. Now eagle went far above all. When eagle could fly no farther, linnet, who had perched upon eagle's back, flew up. Far above Eagle flew the tiny gray bird. Now when the birds held a council again, Eagle was made chief. Eagle had flown higher than all the rest, and had carried linnet on his back. HOW PARTRIDGE GOT HIS WHISTLE CHEROKEE In the old days Terrapin had a fine whistle, and Partridge had none. Terrapin whistled constantly. He was always boasting of his fine whistle. One day Partridge said, "'Let me try your whistle.' Terrapin said, "'No. He was afraid Partridge would try some trick.' Partridge said, "'Oh, if you are afraid, stay right here while I use it.' So Terrapin gave it to him. Partridge strutted around, whistling constantly. He said, "'How does it sound with me?' "'You do it very well,' said Terrapin, walking by his side. "'Now how do you like it?' asked Partridge, running ahead. "'It's fine,' said Terrapin, trying to keep up with him. "'But don't run so fast.' "'How do you like it now?' asked Partridge, spreading his wings and flying to a treetop. Terrapin could only look up at him. Partridge never gave the whistle back. He has it even to this day, and Terrapin was so ashamed, because Partridge stole his whistle and Turkey had stolen his scalp, that he shuts himself up in his box whenever anyone comes near him.' how kingfisher got his bill cherokee some of the old men say that kingfisher was meant in the beginning to be a water bird but because he had no web on his feet and not a good bill he could not get enough to eat the animals knew of this so they held a council afterwards they made him a bill like a long sharp awl this fish gig he was to use spearing fish when they fastened it onto his mouth He flew first to the top of a tree. Then he darted down into the water and came up with a fish on his bill. And ever since, Kingfisher has been the best fisherman. But some of the old people say it was this way. Black Snake found Yellowhammer's nest in the hollow tree and killed all the young birds. Yellowhammer at once went to the little people for help. They sent her to Kingfisher. So she went on to him kingfisher came at once, and after flying back and forth past the hole in the hollow tree, he made a quick dart at the snake and pulled him out, dead. When they looked, they saw he had pierced black snake with slender fish he carried in his bill. Therefore the little people said he would make good use of a spear, so they gave him his long bill. Why the Blackbird Has Red Wings Chittimacca one day an Indian became so angry with everyone that he set the sea marshes on fire because he wanted to burn up the world. A little blackbird saw it. He flew up into a tree and shouted, "'Kunami wiku Kunami wikul!' The world and all is going to burn. The man said, "'If you do not go away, I will kill you.' But the bird only kept shouting, "'Kunami Wiku The world and all is going to burn!' Then the Indian threw a shell and hit the little bird on the wings, making them bleed. That is how the red-winged blackbird came by its red wings. Now when people saw the marshes burning, they quickly ran down and killed game, which had been driven from it by the fire. Then they said to the angry man, "'Because you put fire on those tall weeds, the deer and the bear and other animals have been driven out, and we have killed them. You have aided us by burning them.' Nowadays when the red-winged blackbird comes around the house, he still shouts, KUNAME WIKU! So they say. Ball Game of the Birds and Animals Cherokee. Once the animals challenged the birds to a great ball-play, and the birds accepted. The animals met near the river in a smooth grassy field. The birds met in a treetop over by the ridge. Now the leader of the animals was Bear. He was very strong and heavy. All the way to the river he tossed up big logs to show his strength and boasted of how he would win against the birds. Terrapin was with the animals. He was not the little Terrapin we have now, but the first Terrapin. His shell was so hard the heaviest blow could not hurt him, and he was very large. On the way to the river he rose on his hind feet and dropped heavily again. He did this many times bragging that thus he would crush any bird that tried to take the ball from him then there was deer who could outrun all the others and there were many other animals now the leader of the birds was eagle and also hawk and the great nua. they were all swift and strong of flight now first they had a ball dance then after the dance as the birds sat in the trees Two tiny little animals, no larger than field mice, climbed up the tree where Eagle sat. They crept out to the branch tips to Eagle. They said, We wish to play ball. Eagle looked at them. They were four footed. He said, Why don't you join the animals? You belong there. The animals make fun of us, they said. They drive us away because we are small. Eagle pitied them. He said, But you have no wings. Then at once Eagle and Hawk and all the birds held a council in the trees. At last they said to the little fellows, We will make wings for you. But they could not think just how to do it. Then a bird said, The head of our drum is made of groundhog skin. Let us make wings from that. So they took two pieces of leather from the drum and shaped them for wings. They stretched them from caned splints and fastened them on the forelegs legs of one of the little animals. So they made Tlameha the bat. They began to teach him. First they threw the ball to him, bat dropped, and circled about in the air on his new wings. He did not let the ball drop. The birds saw at once he would be one of their best men. Now they wished to give wings also to the second little animal, but there was no more leather, and there was no more time. Then somebody said they might make wings for the other man by stretching his skin therefore two large birds took hold from opposite sides with their strong bills thus they stretched his skin thus they made tiwa the flying squirrel then eagle threw to him the ball at once flying squirrel sprang after it caught it in his teeth and carried it through the air to another tree nearby then the game began almost at the first toss flying squirrel caught the ball and carried it up a tree then he threw it to the birds, who kept it in the air for some time. When it dropped to the earth, Bear rushed to get it, but Martin darted after it and threw it to Bat, who was flying near the ground. Bat doubled and dodged with the ball, and kept it out of the way of deer. At last, Bat threw it between the posts, so the birds won the game. Bear and Terrapin, who had boasted of what they would do, never had a chance to touch the ball because Martin saved the ball when it dropped to the ground, the birds afterwards gave him a gourd in which to build his nest, and he still has it. Why the Birds Have Sharp Tails Once upon a time, they say, the world turned over. Then the waters rose very high, and many people died. A woman took two children and lodged in a tree. She sat there waiting for the waters to sink, for she had no way of reaching the ground. When the woman saw the ancient of red-headed buzzards, she called to him, Help me to get down, and I will give you one of the children. He assisted her, but she did not give him the child. The waters were so deep that the birds were clinging by their claws to the clouds, but their tails were under water. That is why their tails are always sharp. One of these birds was the Ancient of Yellowhammers, therefore its tail feathers are sharp at the ends. The large red-headed woodpecker was there, too, and ivory-billed woodpecker, and that is why their tails have their present shape. THE WILDCAT AND THE TURKEYS The Ancient of Wildcats had been creeping up on the wild turkeys trying to catch some. He tried in vain then he got a bag, crawled inside, and rolled himself along. He rolled himself to the Ancient of Turkey Gobblers. Wildcat said, get into my bag and see what fun it is to roll. The Ancient of Turkey Gobblers crawled into the bag. Wildcat tied up the end and rolled it along for some time. After he had rolled it quite a distance, he stopped and untied the bag. "'It is very good,' said the first of all the turkey gobblers. Then he said to the other wild turkeys, "'Get in the bag and see how pleasant it is.' But the young turkeys were afraid. Gobbler urged them to try the new game. At last one young turkey stepped into the bag. Wildcat tied the end and pretended that he was going to roll it. It would not go.' "'It will not go, because it is too light. "'There is only one in it,' said Wildcat. "'Let another young turkey step in.' "'At last another young turkey stepped in. "'Wildcat tied the bag, threw it over his shoulder, and ran home. "'When he reached home, he laid the bag down. "'Then Wildcat said to his mother, "'I have brought home something on my back and placed it outside. "'Beware, lest you untie the bag.' HIS MOTHER SAID TO HERSELF, "I WONDER WHAT IT CAN BE. SO SHE UNTIED THE BAG. ONE OF THE TURKEYS FLEW OUT. SHE MANAGED TO CATCH THE OTHER ONE. SHE CAUGHT BOTH FEET WITH ONE HAND AND BOTH WINGS WITH THE OTHER. SHE CRIED OUT, HELP, HELP, I'VE CAUGHT FOUR. THE ANCIENT OF WILDCATS SCOLDED HIS MOTHER. THEN HE KILLED THE TURKEY AND COOKED IT. HIS MOTHER WENT INTO ANOTHER ROOM. THEN WILDCAT SPREAD HIS FEAST. As he was eating the turkey, he made a constant noise. He walked back and forth. He talked continually and kept up a steady rattling. When he stopped the noise a little, he said, I'm going home, as if a guest were speaking. He said this again and again. He made a noise with his feet as if people were walking about. He ate all the turkey except the hip bone. The Brant and the Otter, Biloxi once upon a time, the Ancient of Brants and the Ancient of Otters were living as friends. One day, the Ancient of Otters said to the Ancient of Brants, Come to see me tomorrow, and departed. Brant went to make the call. When he arrived, the Ancient of Otters said, Hello, I have nothing at all for you to eat. Sit down. Then he went fishing. He used a leather vine, which he jerked now and then to straighten it. He caught many fish. When he reached home, he cooked them. When the fish were cooked, ready for the feast, the Ancient of Otters put some into a very flat dish. But the Ancient of Brant's could not eat from a flat dish. All he could do was to hit his bill against the dish, and raise his head as if swallowing something. But Otter ate rapidly. Otter said to his guest, "'Have you eaten enough?' "'Yes, I am satisfied,' said Brant. "'No, you are not satisfied,' said Otter. He took more fish and placed them in the flat dish, eating rapidly as before. Brant could only hit his bill against the side of the dish. When the Ancient of Brants was departing, he said to Otter, "'Come to see me tomorrow.' When Otter reached the house of the Ancient of Brants the next day, Brant said, "'Hello, I have nothing at all to give you to eat. Sit down.' Then the Ancient of Brant's went fishing, using a leather vine, which he jerked now and then to straighten it. He caught many fish, and took them home to cook them. When the fish were cooked, they began to feast, but the Ancient of Brant's had put some into a small round dish. Ancient of Otters could not get his mouth into the dish, but Brant ate rapidly. "'Have you eaten enough?' Brant asked after a while. Otter replied, "'Yes, I am satisfied.' "'Nonsense,' said the Ancient of brands. "'How could you possibly be satisfied? "'I have served you as you served me.' But this ended their friendship. The Tiny Frog and the Panther, Biloxi The Ancient of Tiny Frogs was shut up by his grandmother so that he might learn magic, and then she took him on a journey. Footnote the tiny frog, called Pesca, is a black one, not more than an inch long, living in muddy streams in Louisiana. It differs from the bullfrog, common frog, and tree frog. End footnote. First they met the Ancient of Panthers. The grandmother said to him, This is your sister's son. Look at him and wrestle with him. The Ancient of Panthers was very brave. To show his strength, He climbed very high up a tree, which he tore to pieces, falling to the ground with it. Then he seized the Ancient of Tiny Frogs, but the frog caught him by the hind legs and whipped him against a tree. He beat him so severely that panther's jaw was broken in many places. That is why all panthers have a short jaw. The Ancient of Tiny Frogs and his grandmother continued their journey. Next they met Bear. THE GRANDMOTHER SAID TO HIM, LOOK AT YOUR SISTER'S SON. GO AND WRESTLE WITH HIM. BEAR BEGAN TO PULL THE LIMBS OFF A TREE TO SHOW HIS STRENGTH. SOON HE RUSHED UPON THE ANCIENT OF TINY FROGS, BUT THAT ONE CAUGHT BEAR BY THE HIND LEGS AND BEAT HIM AGAINST A TREE UNTIL HE BROKE OFF SHORT HIS TAIL. THAT IS WHY BEARS HAVE SUCH VERY SHORT TAILS. AGAIN THE OLD GRANDMOTHER, SINGING AS SHE WALKED, WENT ALONG THE TRAIL WITH HER GRANDSON. THEY MET BUFFALO she said look at your sister's son go and wrestle with him now buffalo was very strong with his horns he uprooted a tree and then spent some moments in breaking it to pieces then he rushed at the ancient of tiny frogs but that one caught buffalo by the hind legs and beat him against a tree he beat him until the back of his neck was broken and he had a great hump on his shoulders so buffalo went away but that is why buffaloes have such very heavy hump-backed shoulders again they walked along the trail singing it was not long before they met with deer to him the grandmother said look at your sister's son go and wrestle with him "'Deer leaped up to show his agility. "'Then he sprang at the Ancient of Tiny Frogs, "'but that one seized him by the legs "'and beat him against a tree, "'breaking his nose and leaving him "'with a very small nose, "'even as deer today have small noses. "'Then the Ancient of Tiny Frogs said to deer, "'I shall remain here under the leaves. "'When hunters are after you "'and have almost reached you, "'I will urge you to escape by saying, pest, pest. When I say that, do your best to get away. Hardly had he finished speaking when he cried out, Pess, Pess, it is so, go quickly, do your best. Then deer leaped away, for just then the hunters had come, sure enough. Therefore, when a tiny frog cries out now, people say that someone is on the point of running after a deer. End of Part 5